Yeah, it's like it's weird because it's like on trail was the first time that I was confidently and able to finish a thought. You know, it's like when you're in when you're in society and when you're doing the normal day-to-day life and routine and you have this mundane and monotonous sort of life. There's so many distractions and so many, yeah, so many obstructions into thought and your thought process and how you react to things. And it's like you get on trail and all of a sudden you have a full 24 hours to think. Yeah. And you have a full 24 hours to interact and you have all of this time to be as you should be and not as you were maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird for like the first time you're like, I was able to finish a thought and that's, I think like what was so great about it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause it, it really is like the most accepting place I've ever been is on trail. Episode four of the Outdoor Social. I'm your host, Tommy Corey, or as most of you know me, Twerk in the Dirt. Um, tonight's a nice little episode. I got to hang out with my buddy Nathan Bauman, aka Puma, aka Pumishka, which is his drag slash stage name, or my new favorite Pumpa Loompa. Um, he got to hang out with me my last weekend living in Boise, so we hung out at the pad and record a little podcast. Um, If you don't know Puma, he is a very talented outdoor photographer. Um, He's hiked the Appalachian Trail and hiked the Continental Divide and did part of the PCT last year. Uh, But we don't really give a fuck about his miles. We care about who he is as a person. Um, So... We're not going to talk too much about how he's a fast hiker or any of that shit, because that's boring. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we do today on the show talk a lot about, um, you know, photography and, you know, social media and just kind of how the trail makes you who you are. I think most hikers would agree that it's really hard to hide um, who you really are out on the trail. So we kind of talk a lot about that. Um, and how it is to live as a nomad and, uh, you know, what's the meaning of home. We did record this, um, on two professional microphones in person. So this will probably be, uh, one of the better sounding episodes. Uh, I, I like that it's actually becoming a theme that I'm just very self-deprecating when it comes to my podcasting abilities. Um, so we might just have to keep that going, you know, I'll make it list every episode, you know, listenable. 
but maybe just like fuck it up a little bit so that I can like, you know, preface in every episode that it sucks. I hope you guys really like this episode. Uh, there is one part where we nerd out a lot about photography, so apologies for that. Uh, but besides that, Puma has a lot of uh, really insightful things to say. So enjoy. <coughs> ah, Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay. I'm nervous, I told you. I'm nervous too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're recording, and this is Twerk and Puma. We're in my apartment in Boise, Idaho. Only going to be here for another couple days, getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, this is good. I'm excited. Just making sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always afraid, like, it's not going to be recording. No, I think we're good. Yeah, it seems good. So, we're not going to talk too much about hiking because it's not that exciting. But you just got done doing the uh, Teton Trail. Teton Crest Trail, yeah. Just did that, uh, which was super fun. Invited you, and last minute. I don't fuck with snow. You know. Yeah, it was a little bit snowy. (laughs) I would have been crying. Yeah, there was a good bit of snow. Yeah, no, I hate snow. Yeah, it was all right. Wet feet are no fun, but it was pretty reminiscent of the Sierra and pretty, uh, pretty beautiful overall. And yeah, it was a good time. It was a short trip, but definitely... Definitely full of beauty and uh, met a CDT hiker out there, which was really nice. And yeah, it was a good little trip for sure. Happy I did it, but it was definitely hard. And there was a couple points where I was questioning it, but overall really great. Yeah. Cool. And that's the show. Thanks for, no, just <laughs> JK. Um, cool. So uh, we have a segment on the show, <laughs> even though if first episode, um, it's who said it, and I'm going to read you quotes from hikers' Instagrams, and you have to guess who it is. Oh, boy. I feel okay. like I did a good job of, like, tying in their personalities, so I feel like you'll be able to guess. Okay. If not, well, we'll change it up for the you next podcast. Me, yeah, you might have to give uh, options here, but we'll see. Okay. So, I'm going to read a quote from their Instagram, and you have to guess who it is. Okay. okay. It's pretty pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. If reaching the halfway marker on the PCT for the second time is cool, consider me Miles Davis. Heaps. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. I, pretty vividly. I figured like we'd we'd start we <laughs> we'd you know start uh, easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Backpacking rule number one: look good. Hashtag dad shirt. Ooh. Who would that be? I mean, everybody's wearing dad shirts nowadays. Um, ooh, um, mm, this is hard actually who, I feel like I've seen this quote before on Instagram, obviously. Do you want a hint? I do. You just hung out with this person. Like just recently? Yeah. Like very recently. (laughs) Um, I've, I haven't hung out with too many people recently. Um, I am struggling here. She has a dog. She has a dog. You just saw her. <laughs> really? She's really funny. She's tall. She's hiking the Colorado Trail. <laughs> <laughs> For a ball. For a ball. 
I was like, who did I just hang out with? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Furball's great. Okay, cool. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's it. Okay, this one should be maybe. We'll see. Okay. Was watching a Karate Kid marathon the day before I left for Washington. Figured I'd kick this hike off going full crane. <laughs> Um, Karate Kid Marathon, huh? That's a good one. I don't know. This is a hard seg- This is a hard question. These are hard, hard quotes to so, figure out. Washington, obviously, they're going southbound, and they just started. I, I, so, I, my, went, I went back pretty far my, in some of these Instagrams. Oh, you did. <laughs> so this is not a recent. No, no. Oh. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Karate Kid Southbound. PCT Sopo. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I only know one person going southbound on a PCT, and it's blue. Yeah, she would never write something like that. Nor watch karate. Kid, <laughs> yeah. <I> <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, southbound PCT hikers, even from last year, I'm trying to remember or think of people who. I think it was two years ago. Two. Ooh. I don't know. It was hiking Viking. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's not that cool. I don't really like him that much. That's off the radar. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally off. Yeah. We'll no, just cut that he's one a, out. He's a good dude. I like hiking Viking. <laughs> I'm actually friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was totally a joke. Oh, I was like, fuck. I was like, wow. Yeah, no, he's a good dude. You're only like three beers deep. Um, okay. <laughs> There's nothing like waking up with not a worry in the world other than how far the next water source is and how much elevation changes on the agenda. Mm. That one's harder. I've read this. This is also a familiar quote that I've read. Yeah. Um, last year, PCT last year. Oh, it's hard to remember how far back I was going. I wasn't looking at dates. Oh, um, and these are all PCT. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've read this. I think this person's done the AT as well and CDT. (laughs) Is this what I think it is? Yeah. Yeah. Is this my quote? Yeah. (laughs) You motherfucker. I I was like, I think that sounds familiar, dude. I was like, fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, this game's a lot more fun than That's I expected. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds familiar. I'm like, you know this person really well. Really well, yeah. Uh, or maybe not. Or maybe so not. Much. Yeah. <laughs> who, knows, who even knows anymore, right? Oh my god. Just, okay, that was good. That's a good one, yeah. Okay. Okay, here. I'm the last four people I'm gonna tell you, and then I'll read the quotes and you have okay. to guess. I feel otherwise let's move this shit along. Okay. okay. So the last Four are two taps, mm-hmm. reptar, mm-hmm. click, mm-hmm. and peanut. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. So I'll read one. You have Which to... peanut? Uh, ooh. Uh, Andrew. Okay. Andrew. Okay. Andrew cool. Glenn. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we are never fully ready to start a new adventure. The only thing you can do is smile and do your best to enjoy every single moment. Uh, peanut? Nope. Reptar? Nope. Taps? Nope. 
<laughs> Click. Click. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now getting deep, right? No. Yeah, this is good. Okay. Um, wow. I screwed up on that one. Sorry, buddy. Are you ready? Yep. Go ahead. Away is a place where it's not about the money you spend. It's about the moments you share. That's got to be taps. Nope. Oh, wow. Peanut. Nope. Reptar. <laughs> yeah. No way. Reptar's getting deep out there. I know. All right. I like that one. Hackers get deep, baby. Yes, they do. <laughs> I've heard. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is actually, I'm really happy I did this segment. It's kind of fun. This All is right. fun. All right. Finding balance. It's tough sometimes. I struggle with it constantly. Finding the path that leads me to, the, to uh, me feeling the most centered. I wish it was as simple as following the trail sometimes. I've only got two options here. And <clears throat> I don't know Peanut well, actually hardly at all. Um, so let's roll with Peanut. Nope. No, it's <laughs> Yeah. Over oh, four. There's actually oh, something like Lord. these all seems like like really because Peanut's like such a lovely person and like I feel like you'd write all of these things. So, I know. Like, so that was actually kind of perfect. Yeah, yeah. I actually just messaged him. I was gonna try to trail magic him when he was in Pinedale. Oh uh, yeah. But I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to. I was back in Denver by the time he got there. But yeah, I didn't get to meet him. Because he hiked PCT last year, right? <clears throat> Seventeen. Seventeen, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> Clearly don't know people as well as I had hoped. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay. <clears throat> this is not a rapid fire round because it's hopefully uh, just unrelated to hiking questions. Okay. To get to, you know, who's the real Puma? Okay. The the real Pumishka <laughs> or the Pumpa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lord. Okay, I actually like Pumpa Loompa. I just made that up. Um, I still like Pumishka. Okay, yeah, I know. It's pretty good. That's your stage name. Mm-hmm. All right, describe yourself in three words. Oh, boy. Tentative. Mm, curious. Oh, man. Oh, wow. This is tough, actually. Those two I'm pretty sure on. Uh, The third one... Hmm. Wow. This is actually tough, especially on the spot. Should have sent you an outline before. Sorry. No, no. This is good. It makes you. I think it's more of like a real answer when you have to think about it on the spot. We can come back to it. The last one. Sure. Okay. That's fine. Give me some. Next ones are next few ones are pretty easy. So uh, biggest pet peeve. Biggest pet peeve: uh, chewing with your mouth open. Mm -hmm. Good one. Good one. Uh, Last meal before you die. Ooh. Um. Probably. My mother's pesto, homemade pesto, for sure. So good. Grows basil in the garden. Oh, oh so good. Yeah. yeah, it's delicious. Uh, favorite movie? Mm, Rush Hour 2. <laughs> that is a good movie. Yeah. I don't watch that so often. <laughs> Caught me off guard. Uh, if you could listen to one musical artist or band for the rest of your life, who would it be? Or 
which band would it be? Uh, at this moment, it would be the 1975. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, I don't even know. If we're just basing it off of physical appearance, I don't know. I like to consider myself a Ryan Reynolds of sort. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Personality-wise, maybe like... I'm trying to think of like somebody that's like... Seth Rogen. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he smokes a lot of weed. Yeah, I guess he's a uh, you know, he seems to be like a a pretty serious and genuine person, but also relatively funny. Not saying I'm funny, but I do enjoy humor. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. Maybe yeah, Seth Rogen. Okay. Sure. Okay. I didn't mean <clears throat> Jonah Hill maybe. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be a good one too. I feel like they're very similar. Yeah, definitely. Actors. Yeah, and they've they're always in the same movies. Too. They could do it out. That's fine. Or like Leo, like Leo DiCaprio. Me? Yeah. Me? <laughs> me? Poo me? Okay, <laughs> they're going to get more serious. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. If you died today, how would you want to be remembered? Um, I suppose as someone who attempted to be a genuine person... And as someone who gave a shit, whether it was about the people in his life or about the endeavors that I was pursuing or just in life in general, I feel like I'm a pretty caring person. And when I do something, I, for the most part, put all of my energy into it, whether it's hiking or photography or relationships with friends or intimate relationships. I'm generally an all in person. Uh, so I think, yeah, just somebody who is as transparent and honest and, and as real as possible. Yeah, definitely. That's a good answer. We're going to cut that out of the show though. <laughs> just joking. Yeah, just I thought this wasn't going to be a funny podcast. <laughs> just <it>. joking. So, <laughs> can't, I can never stay serious for too long. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, do you think there's anything holding you back from being who you want to be? Um, I mean, yeah, I think we are like, and that could be in <clears throat> any aspect. Like, I mean, like, right. Maybe, like creatively. Yeah. Or... I think just in general, like not only as like a creative, but <clears throat> also as just like a person, we always have like something that's holding us back, whether it's finances or, uh, the way we process emotion or the way we react to experiences. But I, at this point, I mean, I'm pretty content with where I'm at and with what I'm doing in life and the direction I'm headed. But I mean, I think for the most part, like a lot of the times I invest a lot into the endeavors I am pursuing And sometimes that can kind of come back to bite me in the ass when things don't go the way that I had hoped. And I think at this moment, if I could learn to be more accepting of the way things are, even if they don't go as planned, I would probably be better off. But I think, yeah, overall, you know, I think 
I do a decent job of being fluid and adapting to certain situations, but I'm definitely a person that's when I'm all in, I'm all in. And if it doesn't go as planned, I definitely have a, an emotional reaction, which necessarily isn't the best way to react on things with emotion. But yeah, I think if I can learn, how else to, are you going to react <laughs> logically, uh, which is, you know, the, it's like the brain versus the heart. What is logic? Though? <laughs> I mean, you know, logic is disregarding emotion. Yeah. That's the, the problem sure. with it. And, uh, so I think like finding a balance of trying to react in an emotional way that's positive, but also using logic to balance out that, which is super difficult, actually. <laughs> like I'm a pretty emotional person as it is. And when things don't go as planned or when I have a goal and I don't hit that, hit the goal, or if I have, um, if I just have any sort of ambition towards something and it doesn't follow through as I had hoped, I generally tend to react emotionally mm. instead of logically. And I think that can be a really positive thing, but also a major setback for a lot of people, myself included. Mm. So yeah, that's definitely where I'm at. <laughs> it's like, I mean, obviously like having more money would be great. I could probably do a, a little bit more of what I wanted to do if I was, you know, had more money in the bank. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at, but it's like an ongoing thing for me to constantly try to limit my emotional reaction state. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. Okay. Yeah. It's good. It's a good answer. <coughs> um, what are you most terrified of? Um, I've actually talked about this frequently with people within the last year. Uh, but truthfully, uh, not it's like kind of a cliche but like dying alone and not in the sense like that like i'm literally gonna die alone because we all do but i think like being so invested into this <clears throat> way of life where i'm constantly traveling and constantly pursuing my own ambitions and my own endeavors that i never really give myself the option to build in-depth relationships with people. Um, yeah. So it's like this dichotomy of constantly wanting to see what's around the next corner, but also feeling very torn about that because I would love to set up a home base and to pursue friendships on a new and more genuine level rather than these frequent and quick and I wouldn't say meaningless because they're not meaningless, but it's, yeah, I, I think, yeah, my, yeah, my biggest fear is definitely just my, myself and the fact that I won't allow myself to settle down quote unquote, I guess. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think about that a lot actually in regards to, are like, you, are you comparing those friendships as like ones you've made on the trail though? Because those are genuine friendships. Yeah, like the very people you, genuine. The people you meet on the trail, but you're saying just like through your travels. Yeah, just in just in general. I mean, like as a an example, uh, for for very relevant time as of right now, like my time in Denver, I built really meaningful relationships with people, but that was only because I forced myself to be there for eight months, mm -hmm. 
Whereas had I done what I truly wanted, I would have probably left Denver far long ago, uh, which would have stifled some of those relationships. So I think like in the long run, I guess my biggest fear comes down to whether or not that I'll allow myself to stay in one place long enough to build a foundation for something. And I think that is definitely derived straight from the lifestyle that I've come to love over the last four years, but also just like maybe who I am as a person and maybe my curiosity will get the best of me. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's, it's always going to be the biggest fear. I think it's like, you don't want to commit to one thing and then miss the other. Yeah. And there's always an opportunity cost for everything. You know, when you choose one thing, you're sacrificing another. And, uh, and it really shows itself with friendships and intimate relationships and just all sorts of human connection. And yeah, I mean, like I constantly am thinking about whether or not I'll ever settle down or find a place where I feel at home. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the curiosity is really the, the kicker on that. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I mean, it took me, I guess a year to realize that Portland's home for me. You know, I lived there for four years yeah. and I, when I got done with the PCT, I was like obsessed with that, like constantly moving lifestyle, tried the van thing, yeah. <laughs> failed, Yeah, <laughs> hated it actually moved here and realized, holy shit, Portland's like where I want to be. Yeah. But that time, I mean, like I'm 31. It took me a long time to realize like, where's home? Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, where I grew up. That's no, where my, fi- that's where my family is, but that's not home to me anymore. Like right. my parents' house is home, but like, I don't want to live there. So it's, I think it's harder to like, I think it's like the older you get, it gets harder to like make your own home. Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary to make your own home because you don't, that's why like, I mean, I feel like I could probably buy a house here in the next few years, but that terrifies me because I'm like, fuck, what if I buy a house somewhere and then I'm like, I don't want to live here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to go like do something else. Like I want to go live somewhere else or go hike again or just travel for, you know, as long as I can afford. Yeah. And I think like, it may not even be like the actual physical idea of home. Uh, it's more or less like maybe an internal thing mm-hmm. of like me being someone who feels comfortable in a lot of places, but not extremely happy in those places. If that makes sense. It's like I can be comfortable and I can, flourish in a lot of different scenarios and and I can adapt pretty well. And those things are great because it allows me to be successful in like this type of lifestyle, you know, like otherwise, if I wasn't that type of person, I wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's definitely more or less like an internal introspective idea that like me as a person will never feel content. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And like, obviously like building a relationship and building like close friendships that I can continuously connect with and finding a a physical place where I feel welcomed and comfortable and still have like the access to creative outlets and all that stuff. And I, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's necessarily physical. It's more like, 
this internal struggle of trying to find out where I fit in. And my biggest fear is never finding that place. Yeah. So yeah. And that's like ongoing and I've definitely tried to use hiking and my creative outlets as a way to explore that idea. But it seems that the more I, the more I pursue these endeavors, the more questions I have rather than answers. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy between the two for sure. That segues into the next question. Um, what, this is the last one, by the way. Okay. Cool. <laughs> You're like, no, I like then, then we'll move on to other things. <laughs> um, what would you say has been your highest point of your life and the lowest point of your life? Oh, wow. Um, I would say the highest point was stepping foot on the Appalachian Trail, without a doubt. Was That was your first hike? Uh, first through hike, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So, I had, so that's what sparked everything. Yeah, yeah. So I had, <clears throat> the first time I ever uh, went backpacking was with... Uh, two really good friends of mine, uh, Beehive and Kyle. And we did about 60 mile section in, uh, North Carolina and Tennessee on the border on the Appalachian trail. And at that moment, I, I really realized that there was so much more out there than what I had learned over the last 20 years. And that was, yeah, the exact moment where everything clicked and everything kind of made sense, or at least the most it ever has. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that was like a really special week-long trip. It was a spring break trip, 2014. And uh, so, yeah, five years ago, roughly. And, yeah, that was definitely the highest moment. Ever since then, my entire life has been completely different and filled with so much more meaningful experiences and less of what I was expecting out of life. Um, as far as my lowest point, oh, wow. <clears throat> uh, I probably got to go back to childhood. Uh, I had a really great upbringing, really wonderful parents, uh, brother, great brother, um, super intelligent and really meaningful person in my life and has had a lot of impact on me. But it was just like a very depressed and, anxious child growing up and obviously had nothing to do with the people in my life at the time, but it was more, more or less along the lines of my own mind working against me in ways. But yeah, there were, there were points where I was uh, very suicidal and uh, just very unsure about life. Was it because of like, was it like more like at school? No, it was, it was really a mental health issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like, it was nothing that my surroundings were affecting. It had nothing to do with my family. It had nothing to do with uh, school. It had nothing to do with, I mean, this is like when I'm like 12 years old, yeah. you know what I mean? 13 years old. Well, this um, is a shitty age in general. <laughs> yeah. Super shitty. Age in general. <laughs> I would never relive that. No, absolutely not. I mean, like people loved high school and like high school is miserable for me. Oh yeah. Same. Um, but yeah, I mean up in, you know, in my, I'm only, I'm only 25, uh, but in my adult years, I haven't really had too many lows. It's been, I've kind of created the life that I have. So it's kind of been exactly what I had hoped Yeah, because of what I was experiencing when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, as far as my current adulthood goes, I guess 
the lowest would probably be like having Jardia in the winds yeah. or in the Sierra. <laughs> Those are pretty low points where I was like in the most beautiful places with and feeling the worst I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, when it comes down to it, definitely like childhood was really rough for me and like trying to navigate a life that I had no idea anything about. So, yeah, and that's like a whole other topic to talk about. Uh, but yeah, there there are a lot of low mo- low low moments and low points when I was growing up, and that was just something I th- I think a lot of people deal with. But it was something that I had no idea how to navigate. Yeah, I think from the time I was like eight until like like out of high school was like miserable. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. I fucking hated being a kid. Hated every last minute of it. Last minute of it. Yeah, everything. <laughs> it's funny to think back on now though, because it's like my life is so different than I had ever imagined and ever could have fathomed. I wish, I wish like, Oh, here, this is a off. This is like not on the list, but if you can go back and tell your childhood self something like give yourself some advice, what would you say? <laughs> um, I would, yeah, I would probably have just told myself to, to just keep on doing the things that you want to do and not try to fit into a certain mold and to not try to impress people because really like I spent a lot of high school, like trying to fit into a crowd and regardless of how hard I tried, I would never have fit in, you know? And I spent so much of my time trying to be someone I wasn't. And, uh, yeah, so I would probably just say, you know, stay true to yourself regardless of what it is, you know, doesn't matter who you are but definitely matters if you're honest with yourself. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> Did you ever think of that third word? Not yet. No, no. Okay. Yet. We'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That was a good segue too. Cause I do have like, like childhood stuff in here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, where you're from, uh, Canton, Ohio. Where's that? Uh, about an hour south of Cleveland, uh, home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's about the only oh. thing that's of importance there. Ooh, very lofty. It's actually, a big, <laughs> uh, big event every year. We have a giant parade, and all the NFL players come into town. And mm, sounds like a hate crime waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's pretty regular there, yeah. anyways. But yeah, yeah it's not a. I could city. imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting place. Um, Canton is well, I'm, Canton's like the closest big city. Okay, but I'm from like a small township, Perry Township. It's in the middle of Canton City and Maslin City. And that's where your family still is, right? Yeah, yeah, they still live there. Yep, parents just built a new house. And, oh, I'm uh, jealous. It's really nice. Yeah, they su- did super well for themselves, and yeah, Must nice. be nice. It is. Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's cool. They uh, they built it two years ago, and. I was on the CDT when they moved out, uh, out of my childhood home, mm-hmm. so I didn't even get to say bye. But that's okay. Oh, that's sad. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of good memories there. But yeah, Canton's all right. You know, it's it's a nice little place to raise a family, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. It's cheap to live, inexpensive living, and uh, it's relatively cultured. There's a lot of different ethnicities there. And oh, that's good. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, surprisingly. Actually, you know what? But that makes sense. I, when I went to Columbus like a couple months ago. Oh, Columbus is outrageous. It was pretty. Uh, oh, yeah. You can walk on the street and hear 
10, 12 different languages. Yeah, I was very surprised because I thought, like, oh, you know, like, I mean, Boise is the fucking whitest city in the goddamn world. I'm like, gotta get the fuck out of here. But, <laughs> yeah. So I think anything will look diverse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything will look, yeah, look diverse compared to Boise, I think Col- Idaho. In Columbus, you, you get that, though, because of the university. It was a nice city. I liked yeah, it. Columbus is great. It reminded me of Austin a little bit, mm, actually. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of good food, music, I liked it. and culture. There. I had great food there. I yeah, loved it. Definitely. Were you were you into hiking as a kid? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, my so my dad, he owns uh, a decent chunk of land in southern Ohio, and uh, we would we would go down there once. Him and I would go down there once in a while with my brother, and I think maybe when I was about thirteen, uh, I went hunting for the first time. Were you shooting deer? I did. Good. Shot a couple of deer. I hate deer. Yeah, I know you do. I, I might take up hunting just so I can <laughs> Yeah, uh, but actual hiking, I mean, my mom's not an outdoorsy person at all. She's uh, actually the furthest thing from it. Uh, so we didn't really do any camping uh, because she never wanted to sleep in a tent. Um, but my dad's always been a very outdoorsy person. Uh, so he took us fishing and hunting and hiking. and So, yeah, I mean, like a little bit of hiking, but as far as backpacking goes, like, Zero. Yeah, never backpacked in my life up until the section hike on the AT of 2014, and yeah, so it was uh, is definitely a culture shock in in a lot of ways, but also just like a really eye opening experience. And yeah, I remember meeting the first through hiker and being like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" <laughs> but yeah, n- not much hiking, a little bit here and there, but yeah. definitely outdoors stuff you know we did a lot of outdoor activities even like we just go on like a picnic take a picnic in the woods yeah that's, or something mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah not too much though what about you uh not, not much no backpacking but. no backpacking but yeah we grew up in i mean the trinity alps there's i grew up right next to the um yeah. in Reading, so yeah we went camping all the time and oh, okay um yeah that's but never any backpacking yeah. we were never big into that and but yeah, I mean, like, grew up out there and went fishing a lot and with my dad. That was really fun. Cool. Um, yeah, fishing was fun. That's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I I always liked camping as a kid, mostly because if it was just the boys, my dad would let us curse. <laughs> and none of my other, like, even all the other older cousins and my brother, like, they never wanted to curse. But I would be the one that would be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm gonna shit everywhere. You know, like I would just like find any curse word I could and like say it and they just and they would be laughing, so of course oh, yeah. I would like keep going. Um Yeah, I, I mean like and I still have an awful mouth, so I mean <laughs> I mean it's I get it mostly from my mother. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I have I have a I have a sailor mouth. And I have since childhood, so it's okay. <laughs> it's it's too late to quit now. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I always like am wondering when I'm like, huh, when am I going to say the wrong thing? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> were you always into photography as a kid? No, no, definitely not. Um, never uh, was into 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 photography or even interested up until junior year of high school. Uh, I took a photography course. Wait, that's still pretty young. Yeah, but um, so I took a, I took a photography course, and by photography course, it was uh, two semesters in high school, and I didn't own a camera at the time, uh, so I was just 
I used like a little point and shoot camera that I had bought. Nothing crazy, but uh, it was it was more like a Photoshop and design class rather than oh. rather than like actual like photography rules and like all that stuff. But yeah, so I I, I remember vividly asking my mom because I had like a few hundred dollars saved up when I was in like a sophomore in high school, going into junior year, and at the time I think like the Canon T2i was out or something. It was like a really old crop sensor camera. And I remember asking my mom, I was like, I think I'm going to spend all my money on this. And she was like, well, maybe you should spend less on a less camera, like a lesser camera in case you don't like it. So I bought like this Samsung point and shoot camera and maybe messed around with it for the two semesters of photography class. And that was it. And Probably, I would say, going into sophomore year of college, I started to have a lot more interest in the documentary side of things, not not just specifically photography, but the writing aspect. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, it was summer of 2012. Uh, I was like sitting on the beach, and it was like midnight, and I was like, I just remember having this like somewhat of an epiphany and realizing that I wanted to go to school for photojournalism. So I, I like switched my major and started taking all the prereqs that were needed to get into uh, photojournalism. And at the time I was working a full-time job at a call center and this was 2013 at this point. And that's when I, I did a project on the AT uh, for my public speaking class, I did a presentation on the Appalachian Trail. And at the time, I was a photojournalism major. And yeah, at that point, I was like, well, maybe I'll through hike the AT. And then two weeks before I got on the Appalachian Trail, I bought my first camera, like first real camera that had any capabilities. And uh, yeah, so that was February of 2016. And yeah, it's now july of 2019 and yeah lots changed still going strong yeah yeah definitely still going strong but no real background never really shot film like a lot of people do you know a lot of people grow i started up, with film yeah a lot of people grow up on film shooting from their parents cameras that's or, exactly when we got it up there yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean i had one i remember my mom let me use her like old minalta maxim 2000 or something it's just like an old autofocus film camera from the 90s and I used that. I think I shot a roll through it when I was like maybe like 15, but I never, never got it developed, never saw any results. Like, and I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, we'll never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I remember, actually, I remember following a lot of uh, through hikers in 2015 on Instagram. And I came across Nemore and I came across Click and Reptar, and these are all photographers. And, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, wow, these, these guys are creating like super beautiful images. And at the time, like I think the iPhone four had just come out oh. and like, so I was like snapping on my iPhone and like editing with Visco. And I was like, man, like maybe I should buy a camera. Like maybe try to, I should revisit that old interest that I had in high school. Yeah. So yeah, I bought the camera and hopped on the trail. Is that what you're shooting with now? Uh, the same camera? No, so I, I bought an, a Sony A6000, and uh, I actually was shooting with that all the way up until uh, February of 2018, and then I uh, upgraded to a full-frame Sony A7, 
So just like the big boy version of the A6000. But yeah, I used that for two and a half years and shot all of the Appalachian Trail and half the Continental Divide Trail on it. And cool. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. It's It's been a long, not too long of a journey, but it's it's been fun to watch it progress over the last few years because it's mostly been on trail. <laughs> yeah. Which has been interesting too. Because you're a working photographer, obviously. Um, you do weddings primarily, a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, do you think with Instagram and how easy it is for people to, you know, put photos up and be like, I'm a photographer, you know, it's like, Oh, you just bought a nice camera. You don't know what you're doing. Um, do you think it, uh, it's harder or easier now to make a living with, as a photographer with Instagram? Um, I think it just depends on what aspect of photography you're looking at. Um, for, for weddings, and for portraiture, I think it's easier actually to make a living because there's more people exposed to your work. Mm-hmm. So I think the, yeah, I think the, the chances of you landing a gig or a job or a wedding or an engagement shoot or a maternity shoot, whatever you're shooting as far as portraiture goes, there's so many more people viewing your work that you automatically have a higher chance of making money than you did prior to social media. Yeah. And that's if you utilize social media, there's a lot of photographers, especially portrait photographers who will never touch Instagram, who will never use Facebook for their work. Um, but I think it's a tool. So I think if you want to use it, you have a much higher chance to make a living. But as far as adventure photography or landscape photography, I think it's much harder than it was years ago uh, for a few reasons, but mainly just because, yeah, like you said, you know, anybody can go buy a camera for a few hundred dollars that takes amazing photos. The camera automatically is going to take good photos, whether you know what you're doing or not, Um, which is both good and bad because technology is really great. And it's definitely, like I said, a tool, but yeah, for, I mean, if I could, only make money and make a living off of landscape photography, I would do that. Yeah. But I mean, obviously every photographer that wants to do that has, is aspiring to be a Nat Geo photographer. That's like one of the, you know, gotta be like the most sought after photography job. You oh can yeah, have. totally. So I think it's like a really oversaturated market right now. It's really hard to differentiate your, yourself from someone else. And it's, it's hard to stand out when you're in a pool of, 500,000 photographers from all that are taking the same photo of the same place and editing the same way. You know, there's, there's so many photographers now who are visiting these national parks and who are visiting the really iconic spots. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, those places were only seen when you went there or if you bought a print from a photographer that you enjoy. And now it's like, you just hop on Instagram and check the geotag and there's a thousand of the same photos. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think it's, I think it just depends on what aspect of photography you look at, but overall I'd say it's probably easier to make a living now, but also it's, it's weird because, you know, like I've heard stories of photographers in the seventies and eighties making a killing, you know, making such a good living and, and really like being an iconic artist because they were one of a few. Yeah. But now it's, you're not one of a few, you're one of a few million. I know. And it's, it is hard to stand out. Uh, it's, it's, and it's hard to create work that is unique 
but I think that's all part of it. So I think it's easier though overall, but also I wasn't a photographer back then. So I couldn't, tell, yeah, I couldn't yeah. really like tell <clears throat> you cause it's all relative yeah. and it's all like, how much money do you want to make and how much do you need to live Yeah, totally. in the first place? You know, it's like, okay, my living is going to be less than the average person's. So like for me to make a comfortable living, I need, I don't need to work nearly as much as someone else. Yeah. So it's, I think it's definitely relative for sure. Do you have any heroes like photography? Photography. photography yeah. Um, uh, yeah, maybe a few Renan Osterk is definitely a big inspiration. Um, if I don't know if any of you guys know him, but, uh, I don't know if you know him. I don't even know who that is. Uh, so he was part of the Meru expedition. Uh, I don't know if you watched that documentary, uh, but he's, he's a big Sony shooter, but he's really, so he's like recent. Oh yeah. He's, he's probably 35. Oh, okay. So he's around. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably 35 or so, maybe 40, but he, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't always a photographer. He was an artist and a rock climber first and foremost, but like his story is really awesome. He got dropped off in Moab when he was like 18 and he just had a duffel bag and he just rock climbed for like years and years and painted. And eventually, <coughs> eventually his painting transitioned into photography and he's a really talented rock climber and mountaineer. And uh, over the recent years, he's gone on tons of expeditions with national geographic and, you know, he's big partners with Sony and Chris Burkard and uh, Taylor Burke and a few other big, big names. But yeah, I mean, he's he's spent a lot of his time in Nepal and he's uh, he's definitely more of an adventure photographer, but his in, he's really, really talented at, at portraits and environmental portraits, to be exact. So, yeah, he he's done a bunch of series on Sherpas and certain people in Nepal who are just outrageous and are doing these amazing things. And he's, yeah, he fights for conservation pretty heavily and yeah, he's, he's a really, really big, uh, inspiration. So, but yeah, Chris Burkard's great. He's definitely like, you know, the big, big adventure photographer yeah. of our time for sure. And but Jimmy Chin. And Jimmy Chin. Yeah. I, I love Jimmy Chin's work for sure. But I think, I like his film work actually from like the early two thousands and late nineties way more. But yeah, I mean, I, I was never, I've never been one to like research into photography. I just kind of like fell in love with it and yeah, yeah. didn't care about anything else. So like, you know, all the iconic names, like out of all the iconic names, the only one that really stands out is Annie Leibovitz. And that's know, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And I know she's the only one that I've really like ever, I guess, like looked up to that's like from a different generation. But like Paul Nicklin is up there. He's a big uh, wildlife photographer. Oh, okay. And, and um, who else? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got people who I draw inspiration from, but no one who's like my hero. You know? Yeah. But maybe Renan. Probably, okay. Probably Renan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> um, do you find with um, with Instagram, do you... I, I'm just asking because this is what I do sometimes or um, is compare myself to others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I and think... kind of beat myself up about my work sometimes because I'm looking at other people's work and I'm thinking I'm not that good or. <laughs> yeah. It's. Um... Yeah. I think that's 
not only a photographer's problem, but just an artist's problem in general. And I think that idea is heightened. But actually probably just a human problem now with social media, but I'm asking more as a, uh, on a photography standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I went through a really big uh, creative distress this past winter Um, on the PCT. I, I like experimented with a different editing style and I fell in love with it a lot and it really opened my eyes to different ways of perceiving a photo and an image in general. But because of that, I was constantly looking at other people's work and realizing that, oh, maybe I'm I'm doing things differently, which in my head is like, oh, this is great. But also a portion of that was like, oh, wow, I'm maybe I'm representing this in a way that isn't accurate. Um, yeah, so this past winter, I went through this huge creative process where I was, I, I spent hours and hours trying to find what, what I was, I would just like find my way in photography and find like what made me tick. Because at one point I found that and then I kind of lost it this past winter. So yeah, I mean, it's like with Instagram, it's, it's so easy to just look at everybody's work and be like, wow, that's beautiful. I wish I could create something like that. And then you try to replicate it and then it's not your work anymore. Yeah, You know, it's, you, you kind of lose your, your own idea and your own, your own creative vision when you compare. So it's, yeah, it's, it's so common nowadays for, I think photographers and artists in general to look online, see all of these really talented people producing really amazing work. And then you look at your own work and you realize that you have a lot to learn and that there's a lot you can improve upon, but it's hard to, it's, it's hard to compare because it's, you know, as much as I would love to create something that's similar to another photographer. It's like when I try to do that, it doesn't work. You know, it it doesn't look right. And the only, I think the only thing you can do is just create what looks right to you. Yeah. And that's why photography is, (coughs) is is such an art because Mm -hmm. I've had the same experience. Like no matter how hard I tried to be someone else or like replicate someone else at the end of the day, you're just going to doing what you know how to do and how you know how to do it. And it's funny because I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's so easy to take a photo and make something. But I don't know, to like create a genuine photography and stay true to who you are, Mm -hmm. um, that can be hard to do. Yeah, because it's, I think just like with any art, it's like as direct of a representation of your brain as it could possibly be. You know, there's no other way to describe a photo is because, you know, you could give somebody the exact same equipment and the exact same opportunity to create the same photograph and you're never going to get a duplicate. You're never going to have the same angle. You're never going to have the same expression. Lighting. Lighting and composition. And then and then you get into post-processing and it's endless. You can manipulate colors. You can do every you know you can clone out things you can heal things you can i mean even back in the the days of film of like natural dodge and burn when people would yeah. literally scratch blemishes off of the negative yeah which was crazy but yeah so i think yeah i think it's i think it's a beautiful thing but also like such a 
it's like really easy to fall into that trap of comparing and to to feel like your work isn't worth anything and not even monetarily but just to yourself you know it's like it's so easy to lose that yeah mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's instagram makes it very difficult to be true to your vision because there's so much opportunity to compare but it's also really great for inspiration and really great for for connecting with photographers and and realizing that you know as people we are different which is great because we get to create different images and if everybody was creating the same image then really what would be the point in the first place i feel like uh you know like hiker instagrams you know kind of like the whole thing i want the reason i want to do like the quotes Mm -hmm. is because it feels like a lot of us we really like pour our heart outs especially after the trail we're constantly like and the thing so i really wanted to do this podcast so I can stop having to write long posts and just talk about it Yeah, about how I feel rather than like write it out. Cause I'm like, don't fuck gives a fuck. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like someone's gonna read it and then you're going to forget about it. Uh, w- why do you think people are willing to share so much on Instagram? Why do you think we're like, why do you think we pour our hearts out? Especially like if we're talking more specific to like people that do long distance hiking. Mm hmm. Um, I think, I think in general, people are very comfortable with expressing a lot of emotion towards a computer screen or a phone screen because there's nobody to immediately respond. And when I say that, I mean, I don't mean like comments or likes, (laughs) I mean like a genuine response. when you have nobody to answer to, you're a lot more willing to express your emotions and to actually say how, what you feel. And I think that's just a general human thing. Like that's why, that's why so many people see a therapist, you know, is because there's no judgment mm-hmm. and there's no judgment from a phone screen. There's no judgment from a computer. There's no judgment from someone you don't know on the internet. You know, it's not a personal, a personal response. It's more disconnected. But I, as far as long distance hikers go, I think to to do and pursue a long distance hike in general, you have to be a certain type of person. And I think those certain types of people generally have a lot more to say than they lead on. And I think that's across the board for every person that's ever done a through hike. I think they have a lot more to say than they will ever realize. Yeah. And I think Instagram being this platform where you can share things and immediately disconnect if you want, you know, you can share something and then turn your phone off and people will maybe see it still and respond still, but you don't have to, you don't have to see those responses if you don't want to. So I think a lot of people confide in Instagram because it's, it's a place where you can share your thoughts and generally because you create your own audience and because you follow the people you enjoy or because people follow you for what you're doing I think it's one of those things where you're so comfortable with the people who are reading that it's easy to talk about things. And I think it's easy to, I think it's easy to express everything you're thinking to a computer screen. I really do. Like, it's so easy. That's why, that's why people blog instead of, instead of give speeches. You know, that's why people blog instead of write a book. You know, it's, it's the internet is so fast paced and our entire 
generation is just scrolling constantly. So it's, you know, you could write this super long and heartfelt and genuine message that you would love for everyone to read. But deep down, you know that they're going to scroll right past it. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things where it's, it's so easy to type out and it's so easy to actually express how you feel. But when you don't have anybody to answer to, it's, of course, you know, you're going to write that, you know, you're going to write whatever you feel. Yeah. It's weird because I, I've done the same thing and I mean, I've used to blog really heavily and I mean, yeah, it's so easy to just type, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to get a response from anyone. You don't have to hold a conversation. I know. I feel like I've been doing that so much and especially after hiking is when I, when I started to like write, you know, my long posts, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to get, you know, fucking carpal tunnel now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like, I'm just like tired of making these long posts. Yeah. Like I'd rather just talk about it. Yeah. And it's harder to talk about it than it is to type. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, like there's no sense of vulnerability. And I, and I think a lot of it is genuine, especially when it does come to hikers, you know, because we're, I think a lot of us are very emotionally in tune. We're very sagacious Mm -hmm. people. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like, why aren't we calling each other and having these conversations or, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself even, you right. know, like yeah, I, yeah. I've definitely made long posts and been like, why the fuck did I spend my time writing that? Right. No one's going to give a fuck about this in like 10 minutes. Yeah, really. <laughs> You're going to post it and people are going to scroll right past it. Yeah. And maybe you'll, you know, you'll get a few responses here and there and some people will really connect with what you're saying, but yeah, it takes so much more mental energy and so much more vulnerability to actually speak about what you're feeling rather than just type it especially like i mean it's also almost like almost like hypocritical too in a sense because i like will like write a big thing and then like look at the responses and be like oh that's nice that people like feel the same way (laughs) but then like even if like my best friends write a big long post i'm just like oh cute picture and i'll just like keep like scrolling i'm like oh too tired to read and I'm like, what a dick. What kind of dick am I to like yeah. expect people to, I mean, I don't expect them to, but mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> I totally get it. I mean, when I was blogging, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's pretty common right now. You know, it's, you post a photo of yourself and you get all, let's say X amount of likes. And then you, post. you always get more if you post pictures of yourself. Yeah, then, I found that out. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm mostly, I'm mostly posting pictures of other people. Yeah. But if I post a picture of myself, I mean, I'd be taking a fucking dump and people would be like, oh, 2000, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. people like get all fucking excited. Yeah. I'd be taking a dump and be like, today was really hard, but it ended good because I had a, you know, my bowels are working. You know, like I would, I <laughs> could post cool. and people eat, eat, literally eat that shit up. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> That's how it is. I mean, it's, and especially I think with creatives, it's, it's interesting to see that relationship because yeah, you can post a photo that you've, you know, there's been times where I've worked on a single image for six hours, you know, trying to get it perfect to my eye. And, uh, you, you, I, I posted one and, you know, it gets minimal amount of likes, yeah. minimal, minimal amount of engagement. And then I post a photo that I'm not really proud of, but is, is in, like more interesting to the person viewing it. Yeah but it's not really something I'm proud of nor something I really care I about. I think a lot of it now with Instagram, it's not even photos. Sometimes it's just the captioning. Oh yeah, definitely. If it's a witty caption, of course it's witty or, 
you know, one of those long ones or whatever. But like I posted one a few, maybe a month ago. I don't, uh, I posted about gay pride, how I didn't want, how I was going into the mountains instead of going to the Boise gay pride. Cause I don't feel a part of the community. Yeah. Um, and it was a very like that. I will say that post in general is very genuine. Cause I don't like, I don't feel a part of the gay community. Um, and it was, that was cool to see people's responses. That was cool. But it got like tons of people were commenting on it and it got all this traction. Yeah. And it was just a picture of me with my backpack and my shirt off. And I'm, you know, it's like, not that that's that interesting anyway, you know, you think, and I'm not some like Instagram model, but like, <laughs> you think you would have gotten as much response had you posted a photo, not of yourself? Yeah. I think it was honestly the captioning. Cool. But it could have been a you know picture of me taking a sh- shit you know yeah really and then I'm I don't feel a part of you know <laughs> yeah seriously. I mean I think which I, I think... maybe could have gotten some like you know butt pirate comments <laughs> yeah. or something maybe that probably would have been the best photo to post for that but uh... <laughs> I do think people I think people just as humans can recognize when somebody gives a fuck about something yeah I think that's like very attainable for most people is to the ability to recognize but. I mean, I can totally relate. I mean, when I was on the PCT, I was I was blogging pretty much every town, and uh, I would write every night. And then once I got into town, I would compile that into a blog post. Yeah. And you know, like I had a decent audience or whatever, but it was up until I got off the PCT and wrote my final blog post. And my final blog post was very heavy as far as emotions go. It was very relative to love and loss and failure. Um, I mean, I remember vividly posting the photo on Instagram with a link in my description for the blog post. And that was the blog post I put the most heart into Mm -hmm. and it got the best response. And it was, it was one of those things where it was, you know, it was, I think, I think people recognize that it was like from the heart and very true and very genuine. And I think when people can relate to those things, it it's, yeah, I don't think it's about the photo. I think it's yeah. really about what you're saying with the photo. Cause that's half of photography anyways. Yeah. You know, it's like photography is so much more than just capturing a moment, but it's also telling a story in the most elaborate way possible. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's interesting because I'm not sure if, I'm not sure why that, you know, I don't know if more people resonated with that or if it was just, if it was because I got off the PCT, maybe, you know, there's like tons of variables that I could consider about it, but yeah, it is interesting because like, you know, you're, you're heavily involved in the community and you have quite the audience and you've connected with a lot of people over your hikes and, but you're also part of a community that most people aren't a part of in the gay community and you know, it's it's interesting to see so many people who are outside of that community respond to that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the, that's the interesting part is like there's probably – most people that read that blog post of mine or responded to that, they probably – you know, they probably didn't experience what I experienced on the trail. Yeah. But they could resonate with it. You know, there there may have been a time in their life where they, you know, felt connected to what I was saying. And I think that's really what it comes down to is how you connect to people whether it's a hiking community or whatever. Yeah. Do you, uh, 
do you currently feel connected to the hiking community? Um, yeah, in a sense, I felt more connected on trail, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this being my first year since I started through hiking that I won't be through hiking, I feel a bit disconnected. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still try to involve myself in ways outside of just hiking, but I don't, I don't know if I really resonate with the hiking community as much as I used to. Why so? Uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's like one of those things where every time I've gotten on trail and every time I've either finished a trail or quit a trail, I've always left with more questions than answers. Yeah. And as much as I love through hiking and as much as I love the long distance man powered movement aspect of it, I'm also just not sure if it's a great place for me to exist constantly. It definitely like, and and maybe so maybe that's because of social media because like I generally am a very uh, emotional person. So when I see things online, it kind of, creates like a reaction in me that I don't necessarily like, you know, I, I want to be content not hiking and I want to be happy with myself outside of hiking. And the more I hike, the less I know about myself outside of hiking. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's this weird, I have a really strange relationship with through hiking because it's like really great for me at the time, but it's not so great for me when I'm not doing it. So I don't know. I, I, I feel connected because I'm on Instagram and that's it. I think if I had, I have, I not be if I, if I wasn't active on Instagram <clears throat> or if I wasn't purposely trying to involve myself in the community, I probably wouldn't feel as connected yeah. as other people do. Cause there's a lot of through hikers who through hike without anyone knowing it. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have Instagram and there's yeah. a lot of really accomplished hikers out there who have more miles than I'll ever have who have never made a single post on Instagram. Yeah. You know, yeah, I just met a guy in the Tetons by the name of Freebird, and he had hiked the PCT three times and CDT twice. And you know, he's probably got 20,000 miles Jesus. and never heard of him in my life. And yeah. You know, he's not connected to the community. He's just doing it because it's what he likes to do. Yeah. And I think that's like what I strive to be like, because it's, <clears throat> I don't know. It's funny. Cause like a lot of people are like, Oh, you just hike and maybe not, not directed towards me, but just in general, like, you know, Instagram is such like a big platform nowadays. And there is a lot of opportunity for free gear and sponsorships and like, you know, recognition online because you did this, you did this thing that takes a lot of effort and mental stamina. And so I think like, I'm not not saying that a lot of people do it just for the clout, (laughs) you know, quote unquote, but it's like one of those things where like, I want, I want to hike because I want to, I want to go hike. Yeah. I don't want to hike because I want to feel connected to like the community. So it's weird. It's weird because like, I really do feel connected because I've been, immersed in the community for so long. But at this moment in time, like I think I'm trying to disconnect a little bit. Yeah. Which is maybe Be a like good thing. what other, what other, you know, community of people can I 
Yeah, maybe maybe not even that. Maybe not even like trying to fit into a community. And maybe this like goes back to like when I was a kid, you know, trying yeah. to fit in. Like, I don't really want to fit in. I just want to exist and be as I am. I feel that. I feel like I spent more of my 20s trying to fit in. Yeah. Because I was such an outcast. I mean, I got made fun of a lot as a kid, like Same. through high school, like really bad. Um, and I think in my twenties, you know, once I got my braces off and mm-hmm. I was like cute and like skinny and, you know, like 22, 23, like glowing. I, yeah. You know, and like once I like kind of developed somewhat of like a personality and like a sense of humor. And when I started realizing like people like, liked me that's when i wanted to i think i kind of like wanted to just see how many people i could be friends with mm-hmm. just because i never had that yeah. as a kid so i spent a lot of my 20s being very social to a fault and trying really hard to be parts of lots of different groups and then i hate that because like i did this thing and like have a following on instagram that people think I'm like worth like hanging out with right? or like being friends with, which is like, stu- like it's, that's really stupid to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it I, is. I want you to hang out with me because like you met me once and you're like, Oh, you're a cool guy. We'd be make good friends. Right. Not for like status. Cause like, I really don't give a fuck how many people follow right. me. Cause it's, not about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're going to, you're going to create regardless. Exactly. Of, like of I would have, I would have taken all of these photos regardless if people looked at them or not. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's actually like a really hard concept to grasp with, with art in general Yeah, is like the willingness to create regardless of audience or regardless of reception. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years. I mean, I've been taking photos regardless if people saw it for 20 years yeah. since I was a kid, since I was 12. Yeah, absolutely. I was taking tons of photos as a kid because I didn't have any friends. And the few friends I did have, I'd take tons of photos of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we do when... You know, people were at the football games or doing, you know, going to school dances. I was like, I'd rather just like go hang out at my, you know, my parents' backyard or at the park and take pictures of my couple of friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. The community is great. I mean, I've never felt more a part of a community. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about actually because I've been in it so long now and I've been, immersed in it fully for like four straight years and like the more i've been in it the less i have felt connected to it because i've seen how it's progressed and what what's changed about it even in such a short amount of time i know like a lot of people constantly talk about like oh and i hiked this trail 10 years ago or five years ago it was completely different and it seems like so arbitrary when you think about it, but it's so true. My brother hiked in 2011. It's completely different. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2011, there was Instagram. He was one of started. maybe, maybe 80 people that finished oh, wow. that year in 2011. Yeah, I mean, like the Continental Divide Trail, for instance, like this year, I know there was at least 500 northbounders that started. And in my my year of 2017, 68 people finished Holy shit. total. And I mean... And that was probably between 500 northbounders and southbounders combined. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, a lot's changed over the, the last four years, but it's also like I, I'm beginning to recognize that so many people do try to 
establish some sort of status online through hiking, which is so strange because there's so many, so many better ways to try to get status than through hiking. Yeah. uh, Honestly, I wouldn't through hike if I didn't have photography as a skill. You don't think? I think, well, okay. Now I would, sorry. Was I playing footsie with you? Um, I would now like, Last year, going back to through hike, I was like, I just want to do this because I failed the first time, and because I wanted, I need something creative. I need, I have to, I have to do something creative. I've had, I had this super long dry spell of like not feeling like my work was worth shit, and I just needed, I needed to get back to my love of photography. Yeah, you know, and um, so it was a re, re, uh, rejuvenation of of sorts. But I was like, I even when I was hiking last year, I was like, I would never fucking do this if I like have <laughs> you know this project. Like, yeah. I honestly don't even think I would have finished last year if I didn't start Hiker Trash Vogue. But I had this other project to focus on every day, which was great. Now would totally through hike, even if I didn't have a camera. Yeah, because I, I realized I really fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I love getting out there. I mean, I love meeting all the people, but I also love that you can have solitude if you want it. Right. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to think about because I, I got my camera as I was starting the through hike. So it's like for me, they're so relative to each other. There's so much connection between photography and to through hiking that it's hard for me to even imagine through hiking without a camera. Yeah. And I, I, I know I would do it if I didn't have a camera. I know I would because I, I've done it, you know, three years in a row. <clears throat> but yeah, it's interesting because it's, it makes me f- feel a part of a co- the community that I have like contributed some sort of something to, but yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting concept to think about, like whether or not I would actually do that, go through hike without a camera. I wonder how many people would actually still hike if maybe if like Instagram wasn't popular. Oh yeah, or if like share if like blogging your hike or like getting a bunch of followers for a hike wasn't a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how many people would still like attempt to do it. I mean, they you know even prior to Instagram, there was there were forums out there still. You know, the internet still existed. Yeah. So you had like White Blaze, and uh, there's another one I can't remember the name of for the AT, but I I don't know. I mean, I think like a lot of people genuinely just enjoy posting and i think a lot of even with just their like camera phone or their phone camera they really enjoy taking photos and they really enjoy writing so i think it is a good creative outlet for a lot of people but it definitely is like yeah i I do wonder how many people would actually pursue a long distance hike without any expectation of reward online Because a lot of, you know, a lot of people get free gear and a lot of people try to be ambassadors for certain companies and try to try to create this online facade to like establish some sort of status in their own life and maybe to fill a void, you know, of some sorts. And I was probably a part of that for a little while. You know, I felt obligated to post because I had to not only like fulfill my own lack of (laughs) self-appreciation, but also to like, you know, like you've got X amount of followers and you want to 
grow. Obviously it's an addiction. You know, you like, you like to see the number grow and you want, you want more of whatever you're having. <laughs> it's always like a greed thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people would still do it regardless of Instagram, but also it wouldn't be as popular without social media. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's also like a tandem thing. They go hand in hand. Yeah, it's like absolutely. the popularity. People wouldn't know about it as much. Yeah, exactly. It for Instagram. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like ongoing cycles. I think it's just going to be more, more and more popular as the years go on. But I think the the completion rate will always stay the same of through hikers. Like I think the people that will finish are always going to f- be the people that will finish regardless, you know, because they're, yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. Yet not so. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you ever think of that other word? I didn't. But I will. It'll be the last thing I say. I don't know if I have any more questions. <laughs> we went into childhood, but I did have a question that said, what were you like as a baby puma? <laughs> That's literally what it says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this actually is a good segue into mental health. I was uh, a terrible child. How are you terrible? Absolutely horrendous. Uh, like you were just an asshole kid? Yeah, not only an asshole, just but very lacking in emotion or good emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a very angry child uh, growing up and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about me as a child in general. Like, but, did like, like from what age? What did it start? Oh, man, I don't... <sighs> I, I couldn't even tell you when it started, but... Were you like three and like being a dick or yeah i mean like like, from what from what my parents have told me i was like always the asshole kid okay that's really surprises me actually yeah yeah it surprises most people see i was an asshole kid but that wouldn't surprise (laughs) anyone (laughs) yeah i've I've stayed true from the beginning (laughs) i was a, a very angry child uh yeah i was in anger management for a little while how long like not, what age uh like 12 13 uh, I was like the kid who was punching holes what in is, walls. Were you so in anger management? Were you in there with other kids? No, this was like one on one. So like a therapist? Yeah, it was more of like a therapist. But my so like my parents were they were super like I said super great, really loving, brought me up really well, taught me what's right from wrong. They did okay. They did great. Yeah, I'm just they did really. Yeah, they did really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't really receptive to any of that. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I don't know why I was so angry, but like anger management was I went one one time. I went one time to anger management and I blacked out during it and remember I all I remember is throwing the chair across the room at the therapist. At the therapist. Oh, did it hit them? No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was more or less just like I think I was so angry because nobody ever asked me like why I was the way I was. It was. Did more, you know why? Though? No. Do you I, know now, why now? No. I mean, I do in a way. Like I've I've learned to process those like old emotions and like realize like okay like maybe maybe I was this way because of this or because of that. But it was more or less just like. I had no idea what I was or who I was or, and I mean like nobody does, does. nobody does when you're that (laughs) young, but like also 
people. I mean, I knew not it. everybody reacts that way. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was, I don't know. I was angry for a lot of reasons, but it was more or less just I didn't feel connected to my family in yeah. a lot of different ways. Like my family's a very stereotypical family in a lot of ways. Like you know they they did the whole white picket fence. American dream. Everyone sit down at dinner. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we never had to do that family dinner. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my parents both working class people. And I mean, they did everything for me and my brother, which was, you know, the most selfless thing you can do is to sacrifice your whole life for someone else. But yeah, I don't know. It was like, it was me basically just never fitting in regardless of where I went. And I, you know, that still is something I struggle with. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anger management was interesting. That was, that was a fun moment in time. And, but I was like, I was the kid who was, I mean, I've said terrible things to my parents when I was a child, you know, like just unforgivable things almost. And I've done unforgivable things. And I think more or less, it comes down to just the feeling of not, being welcomed into the community or the family. In some ways I was always like the black sheep where I was just like outcasted because I didn't believe the same things or I wasn't the same way or didn't react the same way or I didn't, you know, fulfill their, their ideals in some way or another. But yeah, I don't know. It was, you know, being a kid's rough though. Like in general, like you said, like nobody knows who you are. No, nobody knows who they are when you're that young. I freaking hated being a kid. It was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. And high school is just as bad. I mean, you know, high school is where you're supposed to, like, figure out, like, where you fit in to an extent. And, like, you know, I was the kid who was, like, on the baseball team playing baseball, but also in marching band. And so, like, the kids I would play baseball with were, like, I was cool with them when we were playing baseball. But as soon as I got into my marching band uniform, it was the complete opposite, you know, because they were trying to fit in. And they were, you know, it was like this... And I think that's just in general how people are when you're that young. Like you just want to impress people and you just want to, you want to fit in regardless of what you do. I think I, so I came out when I was 16. So I was a junior in high school. You came out to your, your family or to everyone? Everyone. Well, I can't, I came out to my parents prior to that. So my, I came out to my parents early on in my junior year. And then I was dating this senior secretly. He was in the closet and then, we, you know, of course, we told it. We told a couple friends, which big mistake. <laughs> so we didn't really have to tell anyone. They just told everyone, and then it just got around. Um, but that was like the best decision ever made. Yeah. Like I didn't completely hate my last like year of high school. Like senior year was great. I had fun. I finally had a lot of friends and, but I think it's, I don't know. It's uh <clears throat> yeah. I think it's weird to like, you not like be uncomfortable with like who you are and mm-hmm. just still trying to navigate that. And so, I mean, especially everyone's doing it right then. Um, but like coming out was like the best thing for me then at that point, I'm glad I did it young. Cause I can't imagine like, I see these guys coming out at like 25, 26, I'm like, fuck, that's, you're like starting all over. Yeah. That's so weird. You know, like what if they don't realize until that point? Though? Yeah. No, I that's... think, I think we're, there are really people that like just never knew or like realize. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just an awkward time in general though. It just it just sucks regardless. Yeah, you know, and, and like silver lining is at least you knew. You know, because, Oh yeah. Because like I mean in so many different ways, like I wish that I had something that I knew to come out about. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, my sexual preference or or whatever it was, you know, at the time, like, I just wish I had something that I could confidently grasp onto yeah. that I was confident in without a doubt was, or even just something you're passionate about, yeah, like yeah. hiking or <clears throat> exactly. photography, like, just be and, like, this is me. Exactly. This is like who I am. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, and, it, and at the time I didn't have any of that. Like I, you know, I had music. I was really into music when I was younger. I was like, I've been, I've been a percussionist since I was in fifth grade and, I was going to go to school for music. Um, so that was like a really big part of my life. But, you know, that wasn't something that was like substantial. You know, it wasn't like something that defined me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Not saying that any decision or any opinion you have does define you. But like just like, yeah, something you can grasp onto to feel confident in and to like identify with. You know, like I didn't have that. So it was like so hard for me to like try to find that thing that made me feel comfortable. And like hiking, yeah, hiking was like the first thing that was like, oh, okay, this is like. This feels this, like me. This feels like home. Yeah, this yeah. feels like as I'm supposed to. Like this this amount of joy and happiness and just uh, overall content contentment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's why it's so depressing to be, to finish a hike or to be done Oh, with, yeah. with that phase because mm-hmm. that's how i fell on the trail too i just feel like oh people see me finally yeah like people are like not and i'm not talking like social media whatever right i'm saying like the people i'm with right here right now they just like see me completely for who i am yeah they're not judging me for being a little bitch <laughs> or you know or that my sometimes obnoxious personality <laughs> you know like that's what's i think that's so great about and that's i think why we <clears throat> people on trail just become so, so close to each other oh yeah because there's no obstruction yeah on trail there's no you know you're not around a shit ton of people unless you're in town mm-hmm. you know you're constantly just you have to make it you actually like have to make an effort to be together mm-hmm. on the trail you know because yeah. everyone hikes differently yeah absolutely yeah it's like it's weird because it's like on trail was the first time that I was confidently and able to finish a thought. You know, it's like when you're in, when you're in society and when you're doing the normal day to day life and routine and you have this mundane and monotonous sort of life, there are so many distractions and so many, yeah, so many obstructions into thought and your thought process and how you react to things. And it's like you get on trail and all of a sudden you have a full 24 hours to think. Yeah. And you have a full 24 hours to interact. And you have all of this time to be as you should be and not as you were, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. For like the first time, you're like, I was able to finish a thought. And that's, I think, like what was so great about it. Yeah, it's it's crazy because it it really is like the most accepting place I've ever been is on trail. Yeah, 
Oh, I feel the same way. And like, I know people deal with a lot of bullshit on trail and I know a lot of people have their own opinions and their own experiences and those will never be discounted. But I think like, regardless of what you've experienced on trail, like everybody can come to the conclusion that it's like the most fluid place, you know, if you've experienced it for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Did that cover mental health? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you could, you could talk, I could talk about it for hours, you know, and like we didn't really even go into depth and just like scratching the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Just like everything about it. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could talk about it a lot. Something I feel very passionate. That's, that's the one thing I do feel very passionate about. But. It's a long, long conversation, much longer than a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. There's going to be a five-hour podcast <laughs> yeah. tonight. The debut, baby. Uh, <laughs> oh. No one wants to hear us talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. you haven't... No, you never thought of your last word. Either. Oh, you're right. Well, yeah, we have to, to get out of that. We have to stall a little bit longer while I think. Oh, God. I know. Hurry, I got to pee. <laughs> Um, my last word to describe myself. So it was tentative, curious, and oh boy, that is hard. That's a hard question. Okay, let's start with words, and we'll just start nar- narrowing it down. Okay. Uh, Neurotic. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say. transparent yeah i've made an effort to be that so i, I would think say i'd agree with that it's a good one yeah i think that's uh i've only hung out with you like three times but <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is true I, I i uh yeah it's something like i didn't used to be you know i used to like try to hide behind a lot of things and and i think that also stems from just like not knowing and like the more I've learned about myself, the more I've realized that the only way to truly get to know people is to be transparent. And I think that's like definitely the most important aspect of my life right now is just like a hundred percent transparency with everybody I meet. Yeah. And is being being as honest and open with people as possible. Like otherwise, like I'm just not myself. Yeah. You know? I think that's a big reason why I'm quitting drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly because I just feel like I get, I don't know, I feel like drinking for me makes having kind of intimate conversations a lot easier. But mm. then I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck did I even talk about last night? Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. I just wasted two hours on this like in-depth conversation <laughs> with <laughs> someone and I don't even fucking remember it. Like, yeah. God, what did I say? I mean, I have a, I'm a person that has a hard time putting things into words anyway, even when sober. Uh but at least I can like remember what I'm saying and maybe (laughs) make sentences somehow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. Most of my friendships over the last four years have been built on transparency. You know, had I, and I think the trail really makes you transparent in a way. Yeah, I think it like forces you to be, 100% honest with yourself. 
It's kind of hard to hide who you are out on the trail, though. You can't. It's like like at one point or another, someone like, will see something that you I, show me someone that can hide who they are, and I'll give them a fucking Oscar. Because, oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, everything is elevated so quickly on trail. Yeah. Like one of my uh, one of the guys I hiked with Taco. He uh, like we spent a lot of time like trying to analyze trail time as opposed to like real time, and trail time is so expedited you know you spend you spend one day hiking with someone and if you hike with them for 10 hours that's 10 hours of conversation yeah and think about how often you hang out you don't even hang out with your friends for 10 hours and a week like a, no or even a month almost yeah really You're like oh you catch up with this person you go to dinner for an hour or two yep. maybe you go coffee. get a couple of drinks after yeah. coffee but like unless you go on like a trip with someone yeah, it really is just like so. Yeah, it's just like such genuine and heartfelt time spent yeah. that it's it's hard to hide. You know, if you were to hide, you would you would have to act. Yeah, you know, eventually somebody's going to ask you something that you are going to answer, and it's going to be a genuine response. And <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like what pack is that? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, when'd you start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it is great. Trail trail is wonderful. It really does bring out the best in people. Yeah. It, even if it's just for the time on trail. You know, everything changes when you get off trail. Yeah. I definitely feel way more connected to my trail friends than I do. I don't want to, I mean, like, I don't want to say a lot of my, I mean, I obviously have a lot of really close friends outside of trail, but yeah, yeah there's something about the people you, you hike with that, um, kind of make you look at friendship differently. I mean, you saw fucking blue crying when she saw me for the first time yeah. in Wyoming. And like last time, I mean, we saw each other in October when we like it was a few months, six months, yeah. seven months, well, eight, eight. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. June. Yeah. August, yeah. Okay. Eight months. When's the last I, time? But the last time we saw each other, we were crying at the train yeah. station. We were dropping her off. And it's like, I could see a friend that I haven't seen. I could see a friend from home that I haven't seen in years. And I wouldn't even think about shedding a tear. Yeah. Not even remotely close. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like when I we, when I was going to meet up with you guys, I was like, I was like don't cry when you see Blue. <laughs> I literally was telling myself, like, don't cry. Like, she's not even going to like be that emotional. And then she fucking cries. I was like, you bitch. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, I prepared <laughs> myself for this. I, uh, <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's definitely like the most real and intimate friendships you can make yeah. on trail. And I think that's because of the way time works out there. I think after just like so much time, especially in your 20s as well, but just like sifting through bullshit people, mm -hmm. it's nice to finally be seen. Yeah. And be, like you said, transparent. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is nice. It's really nice, actually. And it's funny when you say your 20s. Because, <laughs> like, I'm in my 20s. I know, I know. I keep forgetting you. I, I keep forgetting I'm almost 32. Yeah, I think, eh, you know, it's I it's all relative, too. Because, like, I know I met a guy on the AT, and he was 18 at the time. And he had already bike packed. Dude, I wish I would have discovered through hiking when I was that young. I feel like I would have been so cool like eight <laughs> years ago yeah 
I'm still not cool, but I feel like I would have been <laughs> cooler, faster. So. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think it it just creates a type of person that you can't really you can't really create that type of person without the trail. Yeah, it's really like such like a different way of living in such a different culture and. Yeah, you just get exposed to so much in such a short amount of time, and every day is so long. There's like the the amount of hours in a day seem to be multiplied tenfold on trail. No, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so crazy. I've I've thought about that a lot. <laughs> Actually, like just time. But yeah, like Taco, the guy I was mentioning, he was like he like came up with like this arbitrary number about. Everything is multiplied by twelve in in like trail time. Like one hour is really twelve hours. Yeah, and like one one month is a year, you know, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> it's because really, like I know the people I've spent even a month with on trail, like part of my trail families over the years, like you know the month or two months or three months I've spent with them. You know, you get to you get to know so much in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And you get to really, yeah, because of the transparency, you get to actually know people instead of just the idea of people. Yeah, that's a great thing for sure. Okay. Fair enough. Do you have any final words? Anything you want? <laughs> uh, this is Pumishka signing off. Okay. I'm out. <clears throat> As always, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far. Uh, That was my friend Nathan Bauman, a.k.a. Puma. If you want to give him a follow and see some of his incredible photography, you can follow him at Nathan A. Bauman on Instagram. Um, Really check out his stuff. He's a just super talented guy. Got to thank Aunt Cynthia's Cabin for our intro and outro music. That song is Solitary Man. You can find them on iTunes and on Spotify. Their Instagram is at Aunt Cynthia's Cabin. And if you guys like the podcast, please leave us a review. Um, Or if you like any one of the guests, send them a little message. Um, Tell us what you like. I guess tell us what you don't like. I'm bad at taking criticism sometimes, but, you know, sometimes I guess you guys just gotta suck a little dick to get to the top. Um, Anyway, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Reviews would be awesome. Um, And, yeah, reach out to some of these guests. Uh, You know, I, I try to keep most of these episodes lighthearted, but I do really like to hear the nitty gritty. Cause I think that's, um, what eventually, uh, kind of brings us together in the end. Not, you know, not to sound super Oprah Winfrey on your asses or anything. Also, if you would like to sponsor an episode or, uh, have some advertising, reach out to your boy at Tommy Corey photo at gmail.com. Or you can slide into Baby's DMs, which is at Twerk on the Dirt. Oh, wait. Sorry. I don't even know my own Instagram handle. At Twerk in the Dirt on Instagram. Not Twerk on the Dirt. But we maybe I'll try that soon. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.